0: Coming up next, the Space Trilogy, plus Mysterious Benedict Society, plus the False Prince, plus Dune. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Book It. I am, of course, your humble and eloquent host, Mr. Cooper Cobbs, and joining me today is record scratch, it's just me. Hey everyone, it's your favorite host, Mr. Cooper Cobbs, and today I'm doing a solo episode. I don't know why I was slugging that voice. I'm doing a solo episode on the four books that were mentioned in the title and that I read. So on our schedule, it says that we're supposed to be doing a space trilogy episode. So this is really going to be me and Tanner just... Talking it up about the space trilogy. He likes it. I think it's interesting. I'm not sure what I think like in terms of interest like it's interesting. Anyway, it was gonna be a fun discussion. Taylor unfortunately couldn't make it. And all the other guys couldn't make it as well. But I really wanted to give you guys an episode on the space trilogy on overall thoughts on the space trilogy, because I think Out of the Silent Planet, which we're gonna do next time, doesn't get into like the full depth of the space trilogy. It's like the opening act, but it doesn't go very deep, and I really want to give you guys just a broad, like, what Lewis wanted to do, what the space is talking about, and my thoughts on that, but since it was going to be a solo episode, I was like, I'm not going to have the entire thoughts for 30 minutes probably by myself. So I thought, hey, we got some reviews and an email actually from a listener like, hey, can you, like, what do do you think about this? And I thought I'd talk about that as well as I just finished reading the novel Dune. So it's going to be a fun episode and let's go ahead and dive in a little bit on the Space Trilogy. So my baggage on the Space Trilogy just in general, um, I think that I've just heard of like C.S. Lewis, just his, his canon, his oeuvre, if you will, just the Space Trilogy. It's just kind of thrown out there. Right. It's just kind of um, his, his kind of thing for adults. And I think I remember Tanner telling me that he liked it, but he didn't really like the third book. I don't think he finished the third book. And so last summer, I'm assembling my book list. I'm like, all right, I'm going to read these books over the summer. And I really wanted to read C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy. So last summer, I got ordered from Amazon. I got a three-in-one copy of C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy. And I read the darn thing. I finished it on our uh, trip in Colorado um and I yeah that's kind of my baggage I guess um when I read it I liked it I think I said I would have enjoyed Out of the Silent Planet the most as just a read and I think I would have said I like Paralandra the least um but it was maybe one of the most interesting ones to talk about so let's go ahead and get into kind of like what the, the Space Trilogy is all about. Oh, by the way, if you guys want to hear some more great stuff on this, I've recommended this podcast before, Stories Are Soul Food, Indy Wilson. They have three episodes. I think it's in their like twenties, 20th episodes or something like that on the Space Trilogy. They've got some really good stuff, um, and I recommend you check that out. But anyway, C.S. Lewis, he really just wanted to write a kind of fun story, right? He wanted to write a fun dime store adventure novel. He just wanted to write a good story. That's kind of what he wanted to do. And he also kind of wanted to you know uh lace it i guess with some you know some of christianity some some things that he he was interested in playing with the fall with humanity and with things like that and he wanted really to give them a fun story but also to subconsciously kind of influence them same thing he did with chronicles of narnia he had more heavy allegory obviously in narnia but just tell a fun story that all kids will enjoy regardless of their beliefs um and then kind of you know, give him a good bit of the gospel underneath. So, what he wanted to really do with the space trilogy in his more allegorical or more undertone side was compare, I guess, the worldviews of Christianity or the real what I don't think is ever mentioned in the space trilogy, but the good, the true faith versus materialism and humanism. Right, so around C.S. Lewis' time, the sciences are roaring, and you have this big explosion in materialism and the glorification of humanity. Human Humans are the great species. They are meant to dominate the earth. And, of course, materialism, the fact that science created us, and we deserve to be science, and science is the true faith, and things like that. And that was really exploding around the time C.S. Lewis was writing these novels. Now, I think materialism is still a heavy problem but i think that honestly modern wave especially on the left has been more hateful towards humanity and humanity is uh you know not the greatest species by any means and i feel like there's some reason we've come full circle to where christianity was opposing these people who said humanity was the greatest species and now we're opposing people who say they're the worst species and all this kind of things but anyway so this was really wanted to say hey listen Humanity is is pretty bad. It's only by the grace of God and the grace of Jesus that we're able to come back to end his kingdom. And we really wanted to illustrate that through a fun story. Like I said, through a fun space story. Uh and oh, by the way, I, I do think it's the space trilogy. I don't have a strong opinion. I know some people call it the ransom trilogy. I don't know if you can really argue that since he's basically non existent in the last book, but I will be calling it the space trilogy because I think that's correct. And I don't have a strong stance. I know people can get pretty heated about this debate. I, I don't have a strong stance on it. I think Tanner calls it the Space Trilogy. He actually, I don't know. I think he may go either way. Um, But I'm a Space Trilogy guy. Anyway, I just want to tell a kind of fun space story. And again, with the idea that humanity um, really wasn't great and humanity messed it up. And he kind of accomplished that by the first book, Out of the Silent Planet. The, the Silent Planet is Earth. We are cut off from the, quote, music of the spheres, end quote, right? We are, because of the fall and because of the Dark One or whatever they call him, because of, you know, Sin and Lucifer and the Garden, we are cut off from the rest of space. We are the silent planet. And so in the book, it's called Out of the Silent Planet because we're leaving Earth. And so in this book, Out of Silent Planet specifically is dealing with the repercussions of Earth being a silent planet, of him then traveling to a, hu- a new planet with aliens and basically encountering the fact uh, that not every planet is like earth and it's really weird like there's death but they're not fallen or they are fall it's it's weird stuff anyway lewis is totally playing with the idea of what happens if there are aliens and are they fallen i think that's really fun uh i i always listen to people on podcasts or on the radio and they're like so if there are aliens especially when several months ago you know these reports came out these photos of ufos or whatever and they're like do aliens exist and all uh, the christians that i would listen to they would ask are they fallen like what's the deal with that i think it's really fun that even before today that lewis was already dealing with the fact of aliens and are they fallen or not anyway the main character ransom he travels out of the silent planet or er, he travels out of the silent planet sorry to Malakandra or mars and he really is just dealing with all the repercussions of Earth being fallen. And then at the very end, he's tra- talking to their leader and he has to explain how Earth is fallen in their language. And that's a really cool and powerful scene. And it's supposed to be really telling as to what Lewis is trying to do. Now, according, like I said, I referenced the podcast earlier, according to Andy Wilson, his podcast, uh, when Lewis released Out of Silent Planet, only three people mentioned, of the, sorry, three people who reviewed his book, out of the 60-some people who reviewed his book, mentioned the fact that he was playing with other themes, that he wasn't just, it wasn't his imagination wholly that he was dealing with. He was dealing with themes from the Bible and themes from the fall and things like that. Only three people mentioned that, and of those three, one of them said that he lacked conviction, that not only was he not even, well, not only did only three people mention it, but only one person said that he didn't even lack conviction, he didn't believe in what he was saying or didn't try to sell it as much as he could have. And so Lewis, trying to write this fun adventure story, realized that he had failed when it comes to having a supplement laced with some good stuff, laced with the gospel, laced with some other themes from the Bible. And so he says, all right, I'll write Paralandra then. And so Paralandra, uh, it's my least favorite of the three, simply because it's not a novel. Like, I don't know what you call it, but it's not a a novel. It doesn't have a typical structure. It's just... 80 pages of it, half of it, is literally just a dialogue between the devil and between, you know, a human. And they're fighting over this lady who is basically supposed to represent Eve on Venus. Like, that's the plot. And this is Tanner's favorite. And I don't think he ever finished that hideous strength. But this is his favorite. Uh, and I think it's definitely some of the most interesting to talk about. And hopefully Tanner will be on next time and we can talk a little bit about Paralantra. But it's literally just a redux of the fall story. And spoiler alert, we win. It's yeah, the so Ransom travels to Venus, Paralandra, and he meets this lady who's supposed to represent Eve. And on that planet, the bad guy from the last book comes and he's acting as the devil. And he's trying to get them, get the Eve character to basically fall or have a basically another, a another, uh, whatever, reflection of the fall. Right where she was supposed to disobey what God told her not to do, and all this time, Ransom and Weston are just dueling it out. They're having a battle of the words. They're, he Ransom is dueling with the devil, and they're trying to persuade this person to or not to, depending on if it's Ransom or Weston, basically commit a sin and uh, re- reenact the fall. And eventually, uh, the point of the novel that is is one of the most fun. Is when Ransom just sees Weston. He's just evil. He's like killing frogs, or he's hurting frogs, but he's leaving them alive, or something like that. And eventually, Ransom gets to the point where he realizes, you know what I need to do? I can't keep persuading this lady. I can't keep dueling with West. I can't keep using my words. I've got to use my fists. And so eventually, he wins, and the fall doesn't happen on Paralandra because he literally goes and just beats up Weston because he doesn't duel with them or doesn't fall under the 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 um you know oral attacks of West and he just beats him up. And I think that's really cool and really fun. And I think that Lewis is trying to kind of get his opinion in on the fall. I mean, what Adam should have done when Eve was getting tempted by Satan as the serpent, he should have just, you know, beat up the serpent. He should have whatever, done whatever. He should have taken action instead of standing idly by and let the devil use his tongue because that's one of his most useful weapons. I think that's really cool. The difference between Paralandra and Out of the Silent Planet is Out of the Silent Planet kind of follows a story structure. It's not a complete story. It's, it's definitely shorter, and it doesn't have, like, a typical three-act structure or whatever. But Paralandra literally is not a novel. The prose is so much different. It's a lot denser. It's Lewis basically writing an extremely dense first draft essay, except for some reason it's in novel form. Or it's not a really novel, but it's in... It's in literature form. It's in some kind of like, a fictional literature form. And it literally, it's just hanging out with Lewis. It's Lewis, for 80 pages, you know, pontificating almost about his views on the fall and about all of this stuff, except guess what? They're on Venus, right? And that's it, it, it's kind of a fun conceit, Um, and it's just, it's hard to read, though, and it's not exactly enjoyable to read, even though it's really interesting and very interesting to talk about. Um, And then... After Paralandra comes That Hideous Strength. So according to Tanner, I think that he never made it through That Hideous Strength. And I made it through, and I think it's my favorite, simply because compared to the previous two, it's an actual novel. It's an actual story. has an actual structure. It has actual characters and—sorry, oh, Ransom is a character. He's a good character. But this has incredible characters, some of the best characters that Lewis has ever done. They have good arcs. They have story beats. They have things that they do. They have weaknesses. They have flaws. They have—they're they're real characters, and they follow a real arc, and they change at the end of the novel, and the novel follows the typical structure. Um, And I think that that is strength. It's a masterful overall. But I think in the book, there are some weird parts— Like, for instance, the first 100 pages or so, they're just weird. You're on Earth, which is interesting, but you have no idea, like, what's going on. The two main characters in this book, Ransom, has completely disappeared. The prose style is different. That's another reason why I probably like it better is because the prose is just normal. I mean, Lewis, obviously, in all these three, and especially out of Silent Planet, has been his typical witty self, and it's good prose, but in that he is strength, it's basically normal prose. But anyway, in the beginning, you have no idea really what's going on. The main character, one of the main characters, Mark, is basically trying to get into the inner ring of this this organization. You have no idea what's going on. What's this organization? What's it doing? And the other main character, Jane, is going on another journey. Who is Mark's um, wife? And she's going on this journey where she's meeting these people. She's becoming part of an inner ring. She meets the Pendragon. Like, Lewis literally, in his space trilogy, throws in Arthurian myths, Merlin, Pendragon. Every, like, every everything can and will happen. Like, Murphy's Law is true in the space trilogy. Everything that can and will happen is happening. You have a Mr. Bultitude. Like, come on. um, And then... Uh yeah, so they they're going on their separate arcs. You have no idea where Ransom is, but the culmination is really awesome and it really pays off and the the end of of the characters for Mark and for Jane are awesome. And in this novel, Lewis instead of focusing more on the fallen aspects like he did in Perelandra, comes back and focuses more on the material and humanism aspects and that is strength and so it's very strong in the opposition of materialism opposition of sciences as religion and and glorification of humanity that's actually interesting when i get i'll talk about dune later but dune is all about the glory of humans and literally the plot of dune or not plot but one of the setups for dune is the fact that at this point in the far future they have outlawed ai They have basically said you can't have a real computer. And so that forces humans to become smarter and forces certain people to become certain human computers, right? And so it's all about the glorification of humanity. And one of the reasons that Dune comes to exist is because secretly over thousands of generations, they've been trying to make a human who can see into the future, who can be seen to the past, who can see into the present, who is basically this glorification of humanity um and that's that's sci-fi for you and lewis and in, in this sci-fi novel is very uh, opposed to all of that which is awesome and it's pretty cool to see him take on materialism in that sort of way um, and the way he deals with it and the way he takes it to its logical conclusion and shows it to be just empty in the end but at the same time even though it's science fiction he has literally arthurian myths it's very like a fairy tale like he, he lewis calls it a fairy tale for adults this 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 thing that he has strength is massive. It's got everything in it, but it, it it is in the end pretty awesome. And it it's pretty great and Lewis um Lewis just gets humanity. He he in in the space trilogy, I wouldn't say it's his best work, but I think it, he he does in in the space trilogy, he gets humanity. He gets certain truths about humanity, and in that he has strength more than any other book. They come out and he shows his wisdom and he shows his ability to write characters. And that his strength is one of is is basically Lewis at his peak when he's writing for adults and he's writing for, uh, just he's writing amazing, um, yeah. So he he just flexes his his wisdom and his views on humanity and and, and it's an ultra flex in that he has strength, um, for sure. So that's kind of my overall view and take, as well as kind of the thoughts, and my thoughts, and, um, the space trilogy itself. And then next week, we'll get into more in-depth on Out of the Silent Planet, but I think me and Tanner for sure would love to return at some point to Paralandra and that hideous strength, because uh, there's there's so much in Paralandra, there's so much in that hideous strength that I just won't be able to get to by myself, um, and I don't have time for it today. But it, it's really interesting. I would recommend you read it, and I wouldn't recommend you read it too young, not because there's any like content issues, but because it's you just won't like it. It's At some points, it's tough to read. Um, so, uh, if, you're, if you're a little bit older and you really want to read this, I would totally recommend it to you, simply because it's interesting and Lewis has a lot of wisdom um, to give you. Alright, so next, I think I'm talking about Mysterious Benedict Society. So, a couple weeks ago, and I'm sorry, uh, I think her name is Isabella, listener. I apologize for not responding to this sooner, but we got an email from a listener who, who says this, quote, Dear Book In it, I believe your podcast is interesting. My good friend and I listened to the episodes together about the books we've read and discussed the questions brought up. My book's suggestion is The Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. I've read the first two books, The Mysterious Benedict Society and The Mysterious Benedict Society and the Perilous Journey, and I would personally enjoy hearing your perspectives on them. I enjoyed them as they have an interesting plot, insightful dialogue, well-developed characters. They are extremely interesting, and I believe you will all enjoy it. Sincerely, Isabella. Thanks so much for email, Isabella. I'm sorry I haven't responded to this, like I said. We're really busy, um, and as well, I didn't know what we are going to do. Are we going to do a full episode on this, or am I just going to give my thoughts? I think I'm just going to give my thoughts on this. So I read The Mysterious Benedict Society, gosh, eight or seven or eight years ago. I'm sure it was on one of those, you know, homeschool lists that my mom found and, and gave my, gave the book to me. And actually, you know what? I think my great aunt gave it to me. That's what it was. Yeah, my great aunt gave it to me, and uh, for Christmas or something. And I read it, and uh, ever since then, it's been it's been for sure one of my favorite books that's come out more recently. I think that it is well written for a modern book. It has some very fun dialogue. It has some very fun characters, um, and it just it does have a good plot. So, yeah, my thoughts on the Mysterious Big Society as a whole. I think it's actually really good. I think it's, as far as literature that's come out more recently specifically, it's very wholesome, it's very good, and and for modern day especially, it's got good writing, it's got good characters, and I would highly recommend it to anyone as a read aloud or as a novel for yourself. It's very fun, um, and it's very fun, yeah. I'd say, more specifically in my thoughts, it's interesting because it's almost wish fulfillment, but it's not, like, terrible wish fulfillment, right? So the draw of Harry Potter is the wish fulfillment, it's, hey, you're an orphan, you're oppressed, oh, and guess what? You're a famous wizard who saved the world, and you're rich, and wouldn't everybody like to be Harry Potter? That's the draw of Harry Potter. And in a sense, that's the draw here, but it's not the same. Everybody, all the main characters in this book are orphans, and so you can kind of feel for them on a certain level, whether empathy or sympathy, or just the fact that you you feel bad for them, and you, and, and you kind of relate to them as well. The characters are very relatable um even though you're some obviously not everybody reading is going to be an orphan but it's 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 a wish fulfillment in a sense of everybody in this novel has come from a terrible past and then they get to have this secret mission and then go save the world and that's actually it, it and i know so many books and movies have this kind of plot but it's a really fun version of this it's a really fun version of what if we were, you know, orphans and nobodies? But now we're saving the world, and we're on this very big, important mission. And that's actually really kind of healthy wish fulfillment. It's not a wish fulfillment to where, you know, you don't want to be these people in a sense. You wouldn't trade places with them, but you can admire them, and you could wish to, you know, be better. You could wish to, you, know, you go save the world. And who could? What's wrong with telling a kid you can go save the world, right? So I think that's really fun, um, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody. Uh, as far as the sequels go, I haven't—no, I've read all the sequels, and none of them ever really match up to the first book. The first book is unparalleled in the series, at least, in my opinion. The The later books just get a little bit more boring. They don't have the same amount of plot, the same amount of wit, um, and I don't think there's do really anything too interesting with the characters except for the third book. There is some more interesting stuff, but the first book especially is very good and highly recommended to everybody. All right, next, uh, we had another person or recommend a book, but in a review. So reviewer, Bob019377, says, quote, Really fun podcast, but you should do a book called The False Prince. It's a great book, end quote. Well, uh, listener Bob019377, thank you for your review, uh, first of all. Um, but The False Prince, so uh, a False Prince was a book that I've read several years ago as well. I think my mom, again, had that to me because she saw it on a list. And much like The Mysterious Benedict Society, I think it's a rare exception to modern children's literature where it's actually written decently. I mean, obviously the prose isn't going to be a Tolkien or you know anybody of that standard, but the prose for today is actually pretty good. And she, the author, Nielsen, puts in some work in the prose. So it's got good snappy dialogue. It's got some fun... Um, fun prose as well, and it's overall a really interesting book. It's a page turner, uh, and so the False Prince is a fantasy novel, but it's not fantasy in the sense of it has fantastical or magical creatures. It's fantasy just in the sense that it's set in another world. There are I don't think I don't remember hearing like it's just new countries, new places. It's just in medieval times, and that's and that's kind of fun that there's no magical creatures because it's just a fantasy novel set another time with just swords and things like that the main character i find pretty fun it's another orphan but orphan king um or sorry spoiler alerts uh yeah he you find out the main character at the end of the book is a king and so the first book especially is really fun because at the start of the novel for several several years we've the kingdom that you live in has been without a king and this this nobleman from this country is rounding up boys who resemble the, basically, crown prince. And he's going to try and fool all the other noblemen into thinking that this guy is actually the king and he's going to be a puppet ruler, right? And then the main character is one of these people who is selected. And the whole book has this great plot. You're going back and forth um, of who's going to win out the... Um, who's gonna win out the right to become the false prince, right, between the other main characters. Eventually the main character wins it, but reveals that he is actually the real prince. That he's actually the real king and throws the the nobleman in jail. So that's kind of the end of the first book, spoiler alert, like I said. Um but the rest of the books are also really fun because there's just a bunch of stuff that happens because he declared himself king. Like it started a bunch of wars and things like that. And so it's really fun. It's got a pretty fun plot it's a pretty fun fantasy novel, considering it doesn't have any fantastical creatures. And like I said, it's well-written um, for the time period. It's another one that I would highly recommend to you guys as well. And the next, last but not least, Dune. So I had never heard of Dune at all until over a year ago when the first trailers for the movie started coming out. And I saw it, and I'm like, man, this looks epic. right? And so I saw it in theaters, and I liked it. I mean, I didn't like love it, but I liked the movie and i had wanted to read the book ever since and so on a recent road trip um to go skiing with some friends i was riding in their car and their dad had been reading dune and he was telling me about it and on the way home i actually like picked dune up and i started reading it and so i read the first 150 pages or so on you know the whatever, what 10 hour 10 hour road trip home or part of that road trip home i read it and i was hooked like it was a page turner i was turning the pages fast and i was sad when I had to give the book back to, you know, my friend's dad. Anyway, uh, a couple of days ago, I actually ended up buying Dune at my local Barnes & Noble, and I finished it that day, Um, and I have to say, I think Dune's pretty great. I think that as a sci-fi novel, it's pretty fun. The first 300 pages were extremely good, page-turner pages. And the last 300 were okay for me. The last 300 got weirder, they got more mystical, more Messiah-y, and uh, I I think that the first 300, though, are very masterful, for sure. I would recommend not reading any of the sequels. I read the first sequel, Dune Messiah, and was kind of let down by it. Like, it wasn't that great compared to the first book, and I've heard that the sequels just keep getting progressively worse. Um, But Dune Messiah does have a kind of cool ending to um, Paul Atreides, the character. Uh, and uh, the Dune is interesting, like I mentioned earlier, because the whole point of it is to kind of glorify humanity. It's to find this person who will become um, the 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 golden version of humanity, the 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 um, Haderach, right? And so it, and then it kind of turns it on its head and says, what if this guy isn't who you thought he was going to be, and he becomes the Moadi, and all this kind of stuff. But it's really fun because it's just it's just a straight-up hero's journey. It's a straight-up man becoming... Or boy becoming a, a wholly different person. But it's really fun. It's set in a sci-fi environment, obviously, which is incredibly awesome. It's got great world-building. The writing is decent, especially for a pulpy novel. Like He put some work into it. The action scenes are really, really well-written. It's got some great action in it. And the depth is just awesome. So if you see the movie, the whole... The movie covers a little over half of the book, and especially the first half of the movie. It just misses out on all this depth. Like, the author Frank Herbert just goes into so much depth with the characters, with the politics behind the move, with thinking steps ahead. And it's just a really fun, really fun opener, especially. So I would recommend Dune to a lot of people, and just the first book. I don't know um, if the investment of reading the sequels is worth your time. Um, But this is not a book that I would recommend to younger, younger kids especially. Well, there's just um there's a little bit of language, there's a little bit of violence. There's also just some other gross stuff with the Baron and Harkonnen and some other tension between, you know, Jessica and Leto. Just stuff like that that I would I would be like, uh, eh, I wouldn't give this to a, you know, twelve or thirteen year old. Um, but I think it's really fun and I would recommend it for sure. All right, guys. Well so hope you enjoyed um that discussion that solo episode then i'll go ahead and do some donor shout outs and of course if you want a donor shout out make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash book and donate to any tier five dollars or above and we'll shout you out here on the podcast so i'm just going to go ahead and shout you guys out today so thank you for, to our patrons nana van Papi and wayla mike and sylvia mr mike and miss laura uncle Sebby, and jenny uncle sam moses zara anna Emily and Becky, we guys appreciate you so much, and we really appreciate your support. Again, if you'd like to support us, make sure you go to that link down below. And make sure you guys give us a five-star rating and review. That would really, really help us a lot. If you guys want to send us an email like Isabella did, our email address is pod 4 at gmail.com. You can go find that um, and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Besides that, yeah, guys, enjoy your week. And we'll be back next time with our review of Out of the Silent Planet, the first book in CSUS Space Trilogy. And until then, keep on booking it.